everyone, and welcome back to the Manic Matter Podcast. This is Mitchie. So I apologize for the delay in this week's episode, because as I said in the uh, Facebook post, we did have an issue with a hospitalization, but we are back and we're going to slowly but surely get on track with everything. So without further ado, we're going to go ahead and dive into this week's episode. This is a case that's widely known in Korea as a case that shaped the face of stranger danger because at the time, this is a case that occurred in the late 90s, 1997 to be precise. Um, The face of stranger danger that was being taught was essentially that of the creepy old man that was lurking in the shadows just kind of waiting to snatch away your children and you wouldn't expect anything kind of different and even today you kind of still expect that even though we're taught to never just look at one person and think that that's the face of danger we still kind of have that in the back of our minds even all over the world but back then that's really what was taught as the face of stranger danger so this was a case that kind of shook the core of South Korea because when we get into the case of who the actual suspect was, it was completely the opposite of what everybody was expecting and it just shook everybody to their core, especially when they saw who this victim was and she was essentially Korea's little shining star, especially with her name. So here we go. We're going to start by talking about the victim herself. Now, the victim herself, her name was Pak Chorong Chorong Bit Nari. And her name is very unique in in and of itself because most Koreans, when you hear of their names, they have a certain amount of syllables when it comes to their names. Anybody that's familiar with Korea and especially when it comes to K-pop and K-entertainment because of how it's been taking the storm here as of late, you're very familiar that there's a certain set of syllables within the names, and Nari's name did not fit. And, of course, because of this, eventually when everything came to win with what was going on, eventually media just kind of shortened her name to Nari Park. So, from here on out, just to kind of make things a little bit easier while we're talking about it, we will just, here on out, refer to her name as Nari. So... Nari at the time was a seven-year-old girl about to turn eight years old at the time of the crime. She was born September 7th, 1989 to very loving and devoted parents. Um, Now there were some rumors and speculation. Now it wasn't confirmed, but the rumors were um, there was like issues with her parents and being able to conceive a child. So when she was born, she was, of course, the very beloved child, very devoted to, very loved upon, Um, and at one point they said that there was a shaman that said that Nori's life would be very short, so she should be given a name that she could grow into, and so her father gave her the name Chorong Chorong Bitnari, which translates into, I will shine very brightly. And when I say it says that I will shine very brightly, it's like I will shine very brightly like a star because she was essentially the star of their world. So for Nari's entire childhood, she was like the center of their universe, the star of their life. She grew up with a very loving childhood. Um, 
they would take vacations to the beach. I think it was like Daytona Beach that they would go to. Um, and she just lived like every child would live in the 90s at that time in South Korea. And that's how it was for the first seven to eight years of her life up until the tragic events of August 30th, 1997. And that's what is going to lead us to the events that we will discuss now. And I should give a warning here for anybody that is squeamish. Um, if you're very sensitive to the topics of, you know, anything involving harm to a child, of course we are going to be discussing murder, kidnapping. This is not a good episode for you to listen to, so I do advise if this is something that is very a not easy topic for you to either just stop listening or skip ahead or whatever is easiest for you. So it, this is your warning at this time. So on the day of August 30th, 1997, Nadi was taking English classes at the New Core Department Store Cultural Center in Jamundong, uh, Sochugu in Seoul. And as Nari was making her way to these classes, she would make the eye contact of this young woman around her mid-twenties, around the three o'clock hour in the afternoon. And this woman was around eight months pregnant at the time. Um, looks like she had just uh, been making her way, just looking around. Um, and she met the eye contact of Nari and thought that she was very a very cute little girl. She was wearing these pretty clothes and she complimented her and said, you know, you, you're very cute and everything and I'm a friend of your mother's. Um, do you want to see something cool? Your mother said that I could come to uh, come pick you up and take you to play. I have this place that has a lot of dolls. Do you want to come play after uh, your classes and everything? Your mom said that it was fine. And Nari being none the wiser, and having no inclination, no reason not to distrust an eight-month-old pregnant woman thought that why would she lie about this would end up going with this woman. Now this woman was named Jun Hanju, uh, Hanju, excuse me. Now keep in mind in 1997 there was the IMF financial crisis going on and the IMF financial crisis for any of you who don't know impacted all of pretty much east and southeast asia so this was like i think it was like indonesia korea and i think thailand as well so um correct me if i'm wrong there but a lot of those countries within that region were heavily impacted by an ever decreasing financial situation and Hyunju was one of those people in Korea at that time that was heavily impacted, so keep this in the back of your mind as we're going on about what's going on in the situations that are unfurling. Because this crisis essentially went on from 1997 to 1999. So little Nari being none the wiser, followed her unknowing captor to a basement in Sarangdong in Seoul. And this basement would be the area that Nadi would be held. And eventually she would become very uneasy. Because Hyunju's husband had ran a failed theater company and this basement was a part of it. So after some time of nobody being there, mold, vermin, anything that you can think of, was overflowing this place and it became quite clear that this wasn't a place that was filled with 
toys and candy and stuff that was quote unquote a cool place for little kids to come play. It became clear to Naughty that there was trouble and her mother did not give the okay for this, but by then it was too late and there was no way that she could escape this. So with Nari being bound and gagged, um, Hyunju was trying to figure out, you know, the phone number to give a call to the Nari house and it seemed like at this point money was a motive because it became clear that with the financial crisis and everything that Hyunju had amassed quite a big amount of debt at this time and when we say quite a big amount of debt we're talking at that time it looked like about seventy thousand dollars and we're talking US dollars worth of debt and we're at that time that was like in the millions and millions of won worth of debt so we're gonna kind of backtrack a little bit and look what's going on in the Park, house, park household at the time so at the home of Nadi we have everybody up in arms trying to figure out what was going on because Nadi's mom had been expecting her daughter to be home right after these English lessons and when her daughter did not return home she started to get scared so she's calling up the English Academy trying to figure out what's going on and all that she can figure out is from maybe a few students and like the teacher that was there was oh Nari went home with this young Ajuma and you know Ajuma meaning like you know at that time a young or middle-aged woman who was married and so she's like, I didn't send her home with this middle-aged woman. So, of course, they start calling the police. And one of the few times that the police actually kind of do their job here, a police officer was dispatched upon receiving the missing persons report of Nadi. So the police arrive at the home, and they're trying to figure out what's going on. So they're like, okay, if this is a possible kidnapping case, then maybe we're going to get a call from the kidnapper. So six hours, not six, excuse me, at the six o'clock hour, three hours after Nari is last seen, the call comes in and it's Hyunju on the phone. She calls and Nari's mother answers the phone and Hyunju says, Nari is fine and then demands 20 million won. Now 20 million won at the time probably is, if I'm calculating it right, would be roughly about 15,000 US dollars today. But she quickly ends the phone call before the police can trace where that call is coming from. It's such a short phone call. She just says, your daughter's fine, give me this money, click. And unfortunately, I don't know if Nari heard her mom or what unfolded soon after this, but it could have been that she heard her mother, but it seems like something we will never know, but not too long after this, it was determined that Nari started begging for her life or she um, was just scared and Hyunju just kind of panicked or went into like this hysteric and started feeding the child sedatives and then ended up strangling her, which would result in Nadi's death. And this is something that happened only three hours after the initial kidnapping. It seems like Hyunju didn't really 
plan anything out. She just saw this little girl she had on these expensive clothes, thought that this family come from a very wealthy background, and then just out of sheer panic, when the child started panicking, didn't think anything through. And the sickest part about all of it was that this was a woman who was just about to give birth herself and was willing to do it to a child when she herself was about to have a child. We're not done yet because she's still trying to extort money from the Park family. And as far as the Park family knows, Naughty is still alive because she had just gotten off the phone with them and said, Naughty was fine. She's alive. I want this money. So now she's going to have to go around and act like Naughty's fine. So now we're waiting for a second phone call. So after the fact of all of this that happened, Hyunju, of course, had to find a place to store the body. So she would end up taking Naughty's body and placing her in what they described as like one of those mountain bags, mountaineering bags. One that you would take out when you're hiking or something like that. But the next day, not even, or maybe a little past 24 hours, she would be making the second phone call. And per the reports and everything, she was like more excited, more antsy, saying, do you have the money yet? Why don't you have the money? I need this money now. You got to get it to me. And she was on the phone long enough and her, Nadia's mother was able to stall her long enough, I should say, that the police were able to track this call to a phone booth that was right outside of a coffee shop in Myeongdong. So while this lady was still on the phone, they were able to go down to this coffee shop that was in Myeongdong. And from there, when they went into the coffee shop, they saw that there was about 13 people that were in there, including an eight-month-old pregnant woman. Now, from the leads that they had, they were able to tell that the suspect that they had on the phone twice before was a woman that sounded to be about in her mid-twenties. So, they kept the coffee shop closed, and each person in there, they took their personal information and fingerprints and everything, and they weren't letting anybody leave until they got all of this information. But when it came time to come to this pregnant woman, that is when the theatrics began. This woman, she started complaining of pain in her stomach. She said, oh, it hurts so bad. I've got to go to the hospital. You can't treat a pregnant woman this way. And of course, you know, the police, they don't want to have a bad image. And they can't just sit there and let a possible pregnant woman have any kind of complications. But they still have to get the information. So here they go. They quickly get that information and they send her on her way. But the Park household didn't receive any other phone calls that day from the kidnapper. So they knew the kidnapper had to be somebody that was in the coffee shop that day. And with a little bit of encouragement from the police, the Park family finally decided to make their situation public. And from that day, the Park family's situation became national news. And Naughty's face became the shining star of Korea. But unfortunately, her eighth birthday would come and go, and the family would have an empty table with a birthday cake that's candles would be burned out instead of blowing out. 
and by the 11th of September, there would be a good break in the case, but not from another call from the kidnapper. Instead, it would be a call from somebody claiming to be of relation to the kidnapper. A man called into the local police station claiming to be the father of the Hyunju that we had been discussing earlier in the episode here. He stated that his daughter had ran away from home earlier in September, and he didn't know if she was going to be returning or not, and he was beginning to wonder if she had any involvement of the case because of heavily police involvement in the area. So the police ended up having him come down to the station and listen to a sample of the kidnapper's voice. And when he listened to a sample of the voice, he verified that that was indeed his daughter. It was even further verified when the fingerprints that was taken at the coffee shop and from the phone and from the phone booth matched to Hyunju. So then the hunt was on for her. The police would search every single motel in the Seoul metropolitan area, which when you think about it, even back in 1997 was going to be a fairly decent sized area, but they were able to locate her within a day. And when they found her, they had one simple question. Where is Nari? And all she could do was shake her head. But within two hours, the police were down in that moldy, cobweb-infested basement in Sarang, where they found Nari's body in that mountaineering bag. Now, at the time of the arrest, Hyunju was still making everything about her with her theatrics, and I will, I'll be posting the picture on, the, on my Facebook and Instagram page. It's the notorious picture of her when she was caught. She was seen being dragged, groaning, complaining that her pregnant belly was hurting her, trying to make the whole thing about herself. I mean, she just looks just so... I don't even know how to make it. She just looks like she's making a big deal out of nothing and there's two men that are just trying to hold her up like she's putting all of her weight into it it's just so, so much now at the initial time of hyunju's arrest she took responsibility for the crime and even said this in and of herself uh, she called herself a selfish fuckhead who needed the money and was in dire need and only murdered when she didn't want to get arrested but that story quickly changed and then she said like she had an accomplice but then she was forced to but then it turned from three people helped her to five people helped her and then there were other reasons so her story was quickly askewed and it became clear that there was something in her head that just was not quite right about this woman and then when it became public that it was a pregnant woman and like I said a pregnant woman just about to give birth that was the culprit of all of this people of korea were so shocked and outraged how why this was something unprecedented at the time this was the face of the stranger danger that shook korea i mean looking back at this hyunju came from a wealthy family her father had worked as a civil servant she was able to study abroad and do all of these things but she lacked the attention span to do so. She ended up dropping out of college. She didn't want to do it. And then the ball just kept rolling from there. 
jobs were hard for her to get because she didn't have the college education. And then when she decided to marry a man, her parents didn't approve of the guy. But she lied to her husband and said she had a good college education and said that she had a good career and her husband was none the wiser of it. And even worse about it, she amassed a debt that was worth the equivalent of $70,000. And we're talking like U.S. worth of $70,000. And when she demanded like 20 million won, which was 15,000, that barely touched the debt. So you're starting to wonder, was it really worth the kidnapping? Like none of it made sense. Why did she do what she did? When she was saying she looked at Naughty and saw the nice clothes and thought that she could get a massive amount of money, but then barely asked for anything that put a dent into the debt that she had. So it was like, it was strange. And then people were saying that when the 1997 crisis hit, she snapped and was becoming desperate. None of it seemed to make sense. Was it the pregnancy that was getting to her? Everything was just so strange. But it seemed to her that life was worthless and she was extremely unhappy. But people were so appalled by this and Stranger Danger had been completely shook and the whole nation was completely shook. People were scared. They didn't want their children to go anywhere. Everybody, it wasn't just the creepy men lurking in the shadows anymore. It wasn't just monsters hiding under the bed. Even the most innocent looking of people were now considered the monsters. We had grandmothers and aunts and uncles looking out for the children coming home from school. Kids couldn't even go out and play in the streets anymore. People were on high alert. People had to be cautious now more than ever, looking over their shoulder at every chance they had because nobody was safe. Evil lurked and even the most innocent of people. Now the prosecution initially wanted to seek the death penalty for Hyunju for the severity of this crime and how unprecedented it was. And they wanted it to be carried out after the birth of Hyunju's child, but due to the fact that she had had no prior convictions, she got away solely with the life imprisonment sentence. And because the death penalty had not been carried out for a while, and this was 1997, uh, I think this was around the time that the death penalty was starting to be put on pause. It was probably going to be hard for them to do it anyway. But in October, I think it was October 15th of 97, she did end up giving birth to a child to which her husband and then family decided it would be best for them to put that baby up for adoption, probably because that baby would be better off not living in the shadow of what its mother had done. And in the wake of everything that happened, Nadi's parents decided to cremate her ashes and spread them at Daechon Beach, where she and her family had spent their last summer vacation together. And currently, Hyunju stays imprisoned at Chungju Women's Prison to this day. That is the case of the kidnapping and murder of Korea's shining star, Park Chorong Chorong Bidnari. So I want to thank you guys for listening to this case, and if you have any other cases that you would like for me to cover, or any other additional information that you would like for me to add in, please feel free to let me know. You can reach out as well 
Um, you can contact me on Facebook or on Instagram at Manic Manor Podcast, or you can email at manicmanorpodcast at gmail.com. Um, feel free, if you feel so inclined, to join Patreon, but it is not necessary. And until next time, hope you guys stay safe out there and have a wonderful week.